Oh, it says we're live. Okay. Well, <laughs> no animation this time, but that's quite all right. Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. This is a very exciting edition. It is Monday, September the 11th. So first and foremost, before we get into anything, um, I just want to say that this is a very you know, tragic day in history and thoughts go out to anyone who's listening who may have been affected by, by that day or continues to be affected. Um, it's not something that I've forgotten. I, re- I still distinctly remember it, like being a second grade kid, having to go home from school. Very just kind of b- bizarre day, but very much pales in comparison to what other people experienced on that day. So with that out of the way, let's move on to the show. And more importantly, who is going to be with me today? So for those who don't know, our own Jake Rudolph is not here today. Unfortunately, he is over in Hawaii. Good for him. He's getting his vacation time in, which is great. But I'm joined by Patrick from Late Arrivals Pod. You may know him from Twitter, at New Era Ducks. And our great pal, Derek Lee, from the Sporting Tribune, who it feels like we we pump your tires every show, it feels like, which is great because you deserve it. But it's it's good to actually have you guys on. So this, this should be a fun one. I don't think we've done a three-person pod in a while. But what we're going to do today here is we're going to do basically just things that we're excited about for the duck season. Or it doesn't even have to be things we're excited about, but just things that we are maybe looking forward to um, and things that we're intrigued by. So very broad topic. But before we get into that, I do want to get your guys' reactions just on some of the news we got today. I don't even, I know Derek doesn't, you don't like the speculation that we get (laughs) from like 32 thoughts, but I'll start with you, Derek. What was your kind of reaction today from the the scuttlebutt, I guess, on 32 thoughts about, you know, Zegris, Drysdale, you know, Verbeek, all of that. What, what did you make of that? If you could also shed on some light on what it actually is. Well, I think it's interesting how we've, we've seen a lot of stuff come out about Zegris and a little bit about Drysdale lately. Like we had that. And then um, a couple of days ago, Elliot also said on 32 thoughts, how it was looking more like the ducks and Zegris were working toward a bridge deal as opposed to a long-term deal. Um, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, I guess it's, nice to hear a little bit about what's kind of going on but um i feel like it's a lot of fluff just is it wasn't really giving us any more insight into what we kind of already know like pat verbeek and troy terry kind of went down to the wire for arbitration and then they got the deal done like an hour before arbitration um so news about pat verbeek and jeff solomon to an extent being kind of tough negotiators i don't think that's really surprised anybody um, I don't think people should really be worried still about Zegers or Drysdale getting a deal done before uh, training camp. I think, um, like, we've seen this a lot with kind of high-profile restricted free agents, Jason Robertson, William Nylander, just to name a few. So I don't think we really necessarily need to be worried yet because there's still a lot of time before training camp itself, even though rookie camp is this week. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of nothing from Elliot. <laughs> well, Patrick, what, what did you make of, of all of that? Um, I think we talked about it a little bit in Discord, um, and um, I think it's important these guys get signed by training camp. This is cl- clearly Verbeek's style is to just take it down to the wire and, you know, for better or worse, I don't know. But um, I, I just, as a fan, I want them to get signed before training camp just to establish a relationship with new head coach Greg Cronin. I think that's just super important to give them as long of a runway as possible to kind of learn learn 
what Greg Cronin's going to bring and, like I said, develop a relationship and learn whatever kind of system he's going to bring. Um, and for Drysdale just to get back on the ice with NHL players at NHL speed, both like as a mental and physical skill. Um, you know, just coming off that injury, I think that's that's what's important right now is to just, you know, play with NHL players. Yeah. Yeah. And so just some of the key takeaways of that of that report. I think the biggest one that was sort of interesting, and this is very much into the minutia, but basically Jamie Drysdale's injury last year cost him a year of service uh, in the CBA. And so essentially what that means is now he's he's further away from from being arbitration eligible and that tips the balance of power to the team in terms of negotiation right now. Uh, I think it also affects when he becomes an unrestricted free agent because it's kind of the same thing that happened with Trevor Zegras in the pandemic season. And so that part of it just really sucks for Jamie Trysdale because it basically means that the big payday is going to have to wait just a little bit longer. I did find it interesting, though, that Elliot Freeman really went on about how Paverbeek and, and even Jeff Solomon are known as these tough negotiators and how they're really willing to grind guys. And I mean, this is a question for, for either view, but like what, I mean, we could start with Derek, but like, what do you buy into that, that this, this negotiation, the fact that he is, it, it, they clearly are taking it down to like a few weeks before the season, maybe even less now. Do you think that that can affect the relationship that that can have a longer term effect between these two sides? I think it could go either way. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of uh, long-term negotiation from Verbeek yet. I mean, Troy Terry is probably the one so far because he didn't give long-term deals out to Hampson Lindholm or Josh Manson or Ricardo Kell. So Troy Terry was kind of that um, that launching pad, I guess you could say, in terms of him starting out with long-term deals. Um, but Trevor Zegers, I mean, his agents, like they, they deal with this stuff a lot. And so is Jamie Drysdale. I mean, he just switched agents recently, so that can maybe impact a little bit of the negotiations. But um, I think as long as there's nothing that comes out where there's kind of a rift that comes up in negotiations, I think it's fine. I think both sides kind of know what they're dealing with and that there's a lot of things on the business side that you kind of just have to work through, and that's just how things are. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Patrick, did you, did you have something on that? Um, just that I, I kind of feel like this could have been avoided a little bit. I know it's obviously how Verbeek does business, but I know he said last summer that he wasn't going to negotiate during the season. And I think that might've been beneficial to do so because it just, it gives you more runway to kind of work with and kind of take the landscape. Like if we had been, you know, negotiating a, a deal with, Zegris or Terry in, in February when, you know, Boldy and Cousins are signing their deal. Maybe he's more willing to take a long-term deal, but now that, you know, we're kind of up against it, I don't know who has a leverage right now, but I, you know, I just think more runway is always better and we could have ended up in this situation anyway, but I don't know, something about, something about just like taking it down to the wire as a fan is frustrating for me, but I, you know, I get it from a business perspective. And we'll just see how this plays out. But as far as it being damaging to the next negotiation, I'm not so sure. Just because, like Derek was saying, everyone kind of knows the deal. Um, yeah. All the cards are on the table. So um, I'm not sure if that's going to affect it. But um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and I think this kind of goes back to the pod that 
that Jake and I did last week, but there's just so much we don't know. And so like, it's really, we have to be so careful in how we discuss this because we just, all we really know is like a small peek into the situation. And even then it's probably secondhand information. So we don't know what's going on. I just kind of like theoretically, I don't, unless something really egregious happens or there's like bad faith negotiating or something, I don't really see this getting to that point where, you know, the, the the relationship is damaged. I think that we kind of saw that happen in the Bob Murray era, but I mean, everything we've learned about Bob Murray since kind of makes that make that makes it more understandable in hindsight, why that may have damaged relationships. Um, One thing that was interesting on the pod is that Jeff Merrick, on the 32 thoughts pod where they were talking about this, Jeff Merrick brought up how, well, if you look at the Troy Terry situation, Oh, we all thought that they were going to the arbitration hearing. And then all of a sudden, you know, at almost at midnight, not actually midnight, but you know, theoretically at midnight, you get this $49 million deal for Troy Terry. And I do want to push back on that a little bit as a comparable to the situation, because an arbitration situation has a built-in deadline like like Paver B can't do anything about that Troy, Troy Terry can't do anything about that like both sides are working against this kind of th- almost third party where they're both trying to get a deal done before the arbitration hearing happens because nobody I don't think in that situation really wanted to go to that if you just look at what could have come of it and so this situation is different where I don't think that all of a sudden we're just going to get a you know, this, this big, I mean, maybe we will, but you know, I don't think we're going to get this big long-term deal just because there's this potential deadline of the season. Like there's no hard deadline here that's going to drive action. And so I just, I wouldn't necessarily compare the situation. I don't know if either of you guys have any thoughts on, on that, like about, the, about comparing the two situations. Well, I mean, there kind of is a hard deadline in terms of when Zegers wants to play. Like, if he yeah. wants to play in the NHL this season, of course. Um, I think it's November 1st is when you need to sign. I think it's even – it might be December. December now? I think it's December 15th, but I could be could be wrong about that. Yeah, so I For him to be he, eligible to yeah. play. So, yes, there is, there is an actual deadline, yeah. but, <laughs> like, if you get to that point, because William Nylander got to that point, like, mm-hmm. I think we're just having a different conversation. So, yeah, but, there, it's, it's yeah. definitely not – um, comparable to Terry's situation wherein it's kind of like we need to get this done before the season. Obviously, you would like to get it done before the season, but if it's not done by the time training camp happens, that's not the end of the world because, like uh, I mentioned before, Jason Robertson got his done in the middle of training camp. And, yeah. And it kind of worked out for Dallas anyway, so I don't think there's anything to be worried about right now. Yeah, totally. And, and also... I mean, the the thing with the Terry deadline, again, which distinguishes that situation from, from these two, is that going to arbitration changed, would have changed the contract itself. It would have limited what they could have actually done. These situations, whether they go into the season or not, like it doesn't, it's not going to change the terms of what they can negotiate. So, I mean, yeah, you're right, though. If, if, if Trevor Zegers or Jamie Dreisel get to the point where they're ineligible to play the season... Uh, then that may change things, but I don't, I just, I really just don't think that this is going to become this toxic situation that, that people are people that maybe folks are worried about, you know, until we have a true, true reason, until we have hard information that says 
these two sides are like at each other's throats and they're insulted or whatever. Like we just can't really be too worried. So on that note, we should probably get into the actual topic of the day, which is just things that you're intrigued slash excited slash interested by slash whatever. But you need you need three things minimum. And maybe we'll get into five. I know Patrick is more than three. But mm-hmm. Patrick was really sold on this idea. So we're we're gonna start with you. What is your number one thing for this duck season? Well, I'm gonna build up to number one, so we'll start with three. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's superficial, but it's seeing um, Mighty Ducks colors on Honda Center ice again. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I. I mean, I don't love the the jersey itself. Just the logo is a little much for me. But um, yeah, the color scheme is just so fun and so unique to sports. And I think we've only seen it three times since like 06 so um yeah just seeing those colors again is going to be it's going to be pleasant at least from an aesthetic point of view wow i did not think about that but yeah that's a really good one because that logo is that center ice logo is really good i think we talked about it on the pod we did talk about it on the pod but to me the fact that they put mighty ducks in the actual like they, they wrote out mighty ducks on the ice like it's just it's surprising to me because I feel like they've kind of distanced themselves from that, from that name. So anyway, I like that one. That's a good shout. Um, Derek, what is your number one slash? Do you share this excitement for the, the logo? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a great one that Patrick brings up. I wouldn't have even thought about that. A lot of mine is just kind of like on ice stuff. Yeah, same. And so um, the first one I went with is kind of a softball. It's just how the team's going to play under Greg Cronin. Um, yeah. Especially compared to last year uh, under Dallas Aikens and, seeing how Greg Cronin can kind of take the way that his teams played in Colorado and maybe even back at Northeastern, how that play style will kind of translate to the NHL level because obviously the AHL level is a little bit different from the NHL, and we saw that with Dallas Aikens as well. So just being able to see how guys like Zegris and Drysdale and maybe someone like Leo Carlson, how they kind of play <laughs> under Greg Cronin. Yeah, uh, Eric Stevens had a piece today and almost made it sound like it seemed seemed very confident in Leo Carlson being in the NHL this season, maybe even beyond the nine games. And so, I mean, we can we'll get we'll we'll probably talk about Leo Carlson uh, at some point here. So I'm going to save my thoughts on that. But I found that very interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, to to your point that, and we'll talk more about this because this is going to underpin a lot of the other points, I'm sure. But like the Greg Cronin question is going to, it's it's going to be central to everything this season, to me at least. Because we've been so used to watching this team under Dallas Akins, who, as we know, did not do the best job with the Ducks. Let's just leave it at that. And so seeing this team with a new, a new voice. Because the other thing, too, is like we've been so used to even just our opinions of certain players are conditioned on how the coach used them, how the coach talked about them. And so just seeing someone new come in and have a fresh set of eyes on all of these players and – it's just going to be fascinating. So, I mean, that's a great place to start. Uh, and so I'll, I'll give mine since, uh, since I guess I'm next year in the order, the batting order. Let's see, where do I want to go? Okay, I'll just use mine that I was teasing here. So it's where will Leo Carlson play, which actually has nothing to do with the Ducks. Well, it sort of has something to do with the Ducks, but very likely he won't play the majority of the season in Anaheim. So this kind of doesn't relate to the Ducks, but... I'm very fascinated to see where he plays because Eric Stevens talked about it today and had a blurb about how 
he saw it as either NHL or Sweden, but then he also hedged a little bit by saying, well, the AHL could give him ice time. So wasn't really sure what the conclusion there was, but for, for me personally, I think that I've said this a bunch of times in the podcast, Leo Carlson should be playing in Sweden this season. Unless of course he comes out and plays amazingly in training camp and lights the world on fire. And he looks like he belongs in the NHL right away. You know, we talked about it so much in the in the lead up to the draft with Leo Carlson that this is a guy who possesses a lot of great tools and possesses the hockey sense, even some skating that I would argue is underrated playmaking, but he's not a finished product. And the NHL, as we all know, is not a development league. And so I would just fear I really do fear bringing in a player like that who has so much potential to potentially stunt that growth in year one in the NHL. Not to say that he can't come in and be great, but like the Ducks, the the best case scenario for the Ducks this season probably isn't even making the playoffs. It's like competing for the playoffs. And so if that's really your ceiling, then I don't know what the benefit is of bringing in Leo Carlson. Um, So Patrick, I know you, you've been, you were all in on like the the draft buildup. So do you have any thoughts there on, on Leo Carlson? Yeah, uh, I know he said, I believe, to like a Swedish reporter that um, he doesn't want to be in the AHL too much this season. And we've heard Verbeek say that, you know, they're going to try him in the NHL if it doesn't stick, you know, a couple games in the AHL. And then if that doesn't stick, they're going to back to back to the SHL for him. But um, I I just think he's such a he's such a natural center, like just the way he processes and supports the puck and you know he's such a good f3 four checker that you know he's able to just like dissect a, a breakout and kill it immediately that um i think like uh felix you're hinting at that uh i think going back to sweden and really kind of refining his skills is probably the appropriate path because if you throw him into the nhl you know i mean yeah he'll get his nine games and he'll have to blow the roof off to stick and he could because he does he does like he think the game at an nhl level and at an nhl speed and like you yeah. said his his skating is pretty underrated in my opinion and he's clearly working on it um so you know i just whatever they choose to do with him i just think they need to be very calculated and have a game plan for any scenario like if if he does you know play at a certain level, like would would it be worth it? Like really weigh out the pros and cons. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I would agree with that, and and that's why like I'm not foreclosing that playing in the AHL may be a great situation for him because you know Matt McIlvain is down there. We don't actually know if Matt McIlvain will be a good AHL development coach, but we have good reason to believe that he can be. There's also going to be a lot of good talent down in San Diego this year, so it could be a great situation for him. I'm not saying that that is like a bad outcome, but I think Sweden is the best outcome because it's the lowest, well, relatively, I shouldn't even say it's the lowest stakes. Like you're playing in a, in a real men's league with like, you know, pride championships, money on the line. Like it's the real deal, but it's not the NHL. You're away from that kind of North American microscope and you're in a comfortable environment. You know, there's not that culture shock of, being in a country that you've never lived in before speaking a different language, like all of that, you kind of just cut out all the noise and you can just play your game. And I personally think that with these high, high skilled European players, the big ice to small ice thing is just not that big of a deal. That's just me. I'm of course it matters to a degree, but I think it's overrated. Um, 
Okay. Kind of went on that one a little too long, but that's okay. Patrick, you're, you're next with your number two. Uh, you guys kind of took a couple of mine. I'm but, sorry. Um, <laughs> I figured there'd be some overlap. Um, yeah. So, um, the return of Jamie Drysdale is Ooh. something I'm really looking forward to because like missing, missing what 74 games last season was, was a tough blow. Um, and I thought that I know it was a small sample, but even in those eight games, I think a lot of the things that plagued him in his own zone kind of, he kind of fixed it a little bit in my opinion, meaning like getting beat off the boards to the net and getting beat out of corners, getting bullied in front of the net, which you now happened quite a bit in his rookie year. And especially like respecting the superstars of the world a little too much, mm -hmm. you know, when he would go up against like Matthews and McDavid and whatnot, he would give him like too much space, you know, and he wouldn't gap up properly. But I think in the eight games, like from a defensive standpoint, I, th I thought he fixed a lot of things and that was really encouraging to me. Um, Cause he seems like a real, like hardworking, like student of the game. So um, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to seeing what he can bring, especially, I think Cronin, again, is the X factor in all of this, just yes. because I think, um, I hope that he'll put these players in positions to succeed because we saw with Drysdale in his rookie year, like, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind him playing in the NHL, but his role was just, just way too much for what he was capable of at the time. And, um, you know, so I, I think hopefully that being with a new coach and, you know, getting you know, more reps in and hopefully watching a ton of game film will uh, benefit him in, in this season and really get his development back on track. Because uh, if he can really maximize his potential and realize it fully, I think like he's got all the tools to be a, you know, maybe a top pair defenseman. I mean, a guy who can play push. on a top pair for sure. Yes, 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 yes. Not, yeah. not the number one, but yes. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, because he's got really good like two-way ability, and he may not have the offensive ceiling that some of the other Ducks prospects do. But I always equated him to like a more dynamic Jared Spurgeon. Hmm. So yeah, just like a you know really solid player. But I think he can bring a little bit more. So I'm excited to see what he can or what he'll bring this season once he gets his contract signed. Yeah, it's it's really interesting you say that because if you look at Jamie Drysdale and his progression, like his his tools are unquestionable. We know what he can do. We know the mobility. We know that he can make a good first pass, but for him, it's almost been like mental. It's almost been like the game is yes. just too fast. Not even too, I shouldn't say too fast. It's just the NHL is a different beast. And he, he made that jump very, very quickly at a very young age. And he, he probably wasn't fully ready for it. And so for him, maybe in a way, be just watching the game and like you said studying the game for a year maybe that will actually prove to have been better for his development than playing all of last season like i know that that might be a bit of a a reach of an argument stretch, yeah. but i mean you look at what the ducks were like what would jamie Drysdale have learned playing 82 games for that team last year i'm not so yeah. sure what he would have learned to be honest he would have been hemmed in his own zone for <laughs> yeah. you know a minute, minute and a half at a time but yeah like you were like you were saying his like he I think he just needs to get a little more. This is like more, just more confident and more assertive uh -oh. with his Confidence. playmaking. I know, I know. Confidence learned. Okay. <laughs> but seriously, like, because he again, you you say he has all the tools, but he just needs to like put it all together and yeah. um, like just more aggression, more more dog. Yeah, well, it's well, it's like what you were saying. Like confidence can be 
hey, you are a great backward skater. So if you have like, just because these other forwards are great, like you can keep up with them. So mm-hmm. don't give them that respect. But anyway, uh, let's see here. Derek, you're up. Yeah, so my second one is going to be what happens to John Gibson. And not necessarily wow. like right now, but you know, there's, there was a lot of smoke screens over the over the course of this off season. We had the the Kurt Overhart Frank Saravali beef, <laughs> which was a really interesting period of the off season. I will say. I'm sure you um, loved it. I'm sure you really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, but I'm. I mean, it's it's really interesting because there was a lot of talk over the off season about whether Jim Gibson would get traded. There was a lot of connections to the Penguins because Tristan Jarb was going to free agency, and then they ended up bringing him back and then there's also talk about him potentially going to the Devils and maybe Vitek Vanacek coming back the other way um, but I think right now John Gibson will be an Anaheim Duck on opening night and I think that probably will last the entire season just because of how much money he's owed and I think it's really hard for um, teams to kind of pick up a lot of that money over the course of the season when they're trying to kind of move around parts and get ready maybe for um, like trade deadline acquisitions and those are usually aren't like big money moves for the most part so yeah so do you, so do you think he finishes the season with the ducks you're, you're saying he probably does i think he does just because of like the way the the ducks farm system is set up goalie wise like you have cali clang and you have gage alexander and then they signed alex Stalock a couple weeks ago and then you have lukas dostal but i don't think that if you trade gibson Dostal or Stalock is really kind of a sustainable duo no. in the NHL. In what, what makes you think that about Alex Stalock besides his his like entire career? Oh, I mean, he, he was <laughs> manageable, you know, for the Blackhawks last year. He had a good last season. Yeah. So, yeah. but even then, I think if you go into say like February onward with Dostal and Stalock, I'm not sure that really benefits your team. Like, that's not going to make them any better. And having a worse goaltending tandem, and depending on what you get for Gibson as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That whole it's funny how like that Gibson drama took up our lives for like I don't know two weeks. I, I forget what the actual timeline was, but it feels so long ago now, and it feels so irrelevant now because, like you were kind of talking about with Tristan Jari, like there's just there's no obvious destination for John Gibson anymore these are really hard deals to pull off. And I don't know, like, I think especially because it became so public in a way, sometimes, sometimes things becoming public almost scares or spooks people into being like, Oh, you know what? Actually, maybe, maybe not. Maybe this isn't so bad or, or just changing their minds or just thinking about it, thinking about it differently. So I would agree with you though. I think if John Gibson gets traded, it's just, it just doesn't have the profile of an in-season especially trade deadline trade where it's not like a neat expiring contract or one year that you can easily flip. This is still a pretty big deal. And he's like, there's still so many question marks about John Gibson. And quite frankly, I'm, I would be shocked if there was that much interest for him anyway, because he hasn't played. We've, we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, but he has not been all that good the last few years. Caveats of not being on a great team. And I think there's still a lot of teams out there that probably are like, well, we'd like to see you at least get back to some level of like consistent average play before we trade for you. Patrick, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that situation. Oh yeah. Well, um, I think 
the the smart money is on the off season for a move if there's ever going to be one. Um, just because with the cap going up, you know, uh, there's more space for teams to fit them in, and maybe the Ducks don't have to retain so much. But like something would have to happen like catastrophically for some other team to, um, you know, want to trade for a goalie in first place. But um, also, I think, like you were saying, I think teams want to see what this guy can do in a more, um, in front of a better defense under a better coach um, and not, you know, having to face 50 shots a night and whatnot. So um, I I just, I, I think he's better than his numbers, Personally, I think there's more talent there, but um, yeah, he's I just gotta, think he's got to show it at some point. Like, exactly, he's got to show it, and team and teams are going to have to want, or teams probably want to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I personally just don't. I'm not like the thing with John Gibson is that we all know he has talent. He's an NHL goalie, so they all have talent. Like shocker, um, we know he's capable of stealing a game. We've seen it, but a lot of goalies are capable of doing that. Like when you're the goalie on the bad team, you have zero pressure. And so you're just kind of relishing that opportunity on a given night where you're getting pepper to just be the hero, but there's really nothing at stake if you aren't. And so what I want to see from John Gibson, which to me is the much, much harder challenge as a goalie is to be just good enough. Like, you know, like seven out of 10 times, right? Just be decent seven out of 10 times, eight out of 10 times on a solid team like that, like being consistent being consistently good enough is harder than being awesome one out of 10 times, much harder. And so not saying he can't do it because we've seen it in the past that he can do it. It's just, he hasn't done it in a while. He hasn't been in an environment conducive to doing it, which doesn't help either. So there's a lot of questions around John Gibson and yeah, like this goes back to the original point about Greg Cronin. Like we're going to find out, we're going to find things out about everybody because of this new coach. And so even just how they use John Gibson, because we know they like Lucas Dostal. And so, hey, maybe if John Gibson gets more rest, that will also help his performance. Uh, we don't know. But before, so I'm going to have my third one here in a second. But before we do that, a quick word from our good friends at 714 Tickets. I think it's agreed that there's really no better way to watch hockey than going to the games live and in person. That's per- like, to me, hockey is the best in person sport. I think. Maybe that's a controversial opinion, but I think it is the best in-person sport. Uh, That's where 714 Tickets comes in. 714 Tickets is a locally owned ticket company in Anaheim. It's actually right across the street from Honda Center that never charges you taxes or service fees, unlike StubHub or Ticketmaster. They're located right across the street, but they also have a website, 714tickets.com, where you earn 5% back in rewards on every online purchase. So let's recap. You get to see your favorite team play, pay no fees, and those fees, like... Buying tickets is so annoying just because of the fees. So there are no fees here. That is a good deal. And you get to earn rewards back for future purchases. Sounds like a no-brainer. Shop your Ducks tickets at 714tickets.com or stop by their office for a more personal feel. Check them out and use our promo code CTP, like Crash the Pond, CTP, to get 10% off your purchase. Go check them out. All right. Back to the show. So I am up, supposedly. I don't know. Do I have a third one? I actually have five, so I'm going to have to decide... Uh, which one, which one I like here. Um, let's see. Okay. Let's, let's do a, b- a bit of a fun one. Ah, okay. The Radko Gudis effect. This is, this is my next one. Oh, wait, I'm on number two. 
Yeah, you're two. Yeah. I think I went number mm-hmm. two. Why did I see number yeah, three? You went last. Sorry, guys. Um, my brain's everywhere. I'm not used to being in the host chair. So or I'm not I'm not used to having to manage the behind the scenes stuff as I'm talking. It uh, it fractures my attention span. But yeah, the Radko Gudis effect. So the Ducks haven't had a defenseman like Radko Gudis. Maybe, I mean, not as long as I've been watching the Ducks. Like a guy who kind of blends that ability to bring some nasty physicality and puck moving and maybe even a little ability to join the rush as well. Like I guess Josh Manson is probably your comparable there. But even like in his heyday, I don't think Josh Manson played the same style as uh, as a Radko Gudis. And so just bringing his skill set to that blue line, especially a blue line that I don't have any qualms with this, but there is the fact that there's a lot of guys who are not maybe thought of as the most physical that are more seen as like puck moving, more skilled types, bring in that kind of player who he's not just a, he's not just a physical guy. He can also play, but I'm very curious to see just what kind of effect that will have on the team. I remember the day he signed thinking, yep, like this is what they needed. So I'm curious about it. Patrick, are you, are you excited about the Radko Gudis effect? Yeah, I just, on the surface, and, and a lot of, like, the dialogue about it has been, oh, you know, Radko Gudis is just here to bring some knuckles and some physicality. But I think there's just a lot more to that, especially when you look at the young left-handed defensemen that are going to be coming up through the organization in the next few years here. And I just think when you're looking for a perfect partner for those guys, I think it's Radko Gudis because not not only will he be a tough SOB to play against, but <laughs> I just think he just plays so solid. And when you're a when you're a um, a rookie and trying to adjust to the NHL, the last thing you need to worry about is if your partner is going to be in the space he needs to be and you having to cover for him, like. He's he's never he doesn't really you know take any chances with the puck. He doesn't throw any pizzas up the middle. He uh, you know everything's pretty meat and potatoes. But he's still he's not a grocery stick. He's still able to like <laughs> make the plays and find you in space. So I think when you're a Zellweger or a Minshukov, Lacombe, on and on, like I think he's a perfect partner for that kind of that kind of defenseman. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that relationship, especially if he can develop one with one of those guys yeah so and yeah, yeah he can bring he can bring like his first pass is really nice out of the zone too as well and i know florida did a lot of they did a lot of stretch passes from like the goal line to the to uh the neutral zone so i'm curious to see if that's going to be something cronin incorporates and i know like gudis you know he can he can really find guys in space so i'm i'm excited for that yeah no he's he's a lot more active offensively than i think maybe the general reputation of his his is like if you look at the tracking data from from Corey schneider like he's actually like again you have to keep in mind with this data like above average doesn't necessarily mean you're good at this skill it just means like you do it a lot um unless it's like on a per 60 basis but like he gets a lot of shots off he gets a lot of shot assists so passes leading to shots he also gets a lot of passes from the center lane which I find really interesting because as a defenseman, that that tells me that if you're getting a lot of passes from the center, center lane, it tells me that you're getting into that dangerous area and then distributing the puck. Whereas a lot of defensemen will usually not do that. They'll just throw the puck on net or they'll, they'll go D to D. And that to me is what the modern defenseman should be looking to do is 
let's get into the middle and create from there as opposed to just kind of going side to side and not really doing a whole lot. So that kind of that reputation, which is valid that he's a physical guy with this kind of underrated offense, like, you know, and you, you pair that with the three year deal, which, you know, 4 million a year, it, it's not, it's not like maybe the most ideal if we're really, if we really want to pick nits, but I think that it's just a very, very solid fit for the ducks. I don't know if Derek, do you have any, uh, do you have any shared thoughts there or, or pushback maybe to the, to the goodest love here? No, I mean, I think you guys really hit it on the head there. I think, um, I mean, it was a little bit surprising for me when I saw that they signed him. Yeah. Uh, just because I, I wasn't really sure if that was kind of the profile of player maybe. But then if you look at kind of the, the history that Gouda shares with Pat Verbeek, just going back to his time with Tampa, it makes a lot of sense. And also losing Kevin Shattenkirk, the Ducks kind of needed another veteran leader on that blue line along with Cam Fowler. And what better addition to add to the team than somebody who just finished playing the Stanley Cup final <laughs> yeah yeah he really it, it is crazy how i don't know like this is one of those few signings i think that happened that come across the the crash the pond desk where i just i almost love everything about it because you can argue for it from any angle like you were talking about more with like the narrative side of hey this is an experienced guy he's he just you know stanley cup final playoff experience you can so you can you can argue for it that way everything we just talked about so yeah, it's it's going to be a very fun fit. Hopefully, hopefully this will not be a. I mean, I don't think it will be, but hopefully this will not be like a John Klingberg situation where we were all kind of like excited slash intrigued by what it could be, and then it just absolutely miserably blew up like almost from the second it started. <laughs> so we will see. Uh, okay, Patrick, have you done two or three? I'm sorry, I'm terrible at counting. Here. We've all we've all done two now okay mm -hmm. okay yeah well there and you i go. started okay yeah. so you're up for number three okay well um it's been talked about but i'm gonna stick with it as my number one anyway and that's greg cronin's impact yes. i'm a huge like huge x's and o's nerd and it seems like you know on the surface cronin is like kind of an old school um boston hockey like yes. you know from a different age and you know he'll, he'll get the most out of your guys and he squeezes blood from a stone and he's very rigid <laughs> but if you dig into his comments he watches endless film and um he really talks about systems in most of his interviews so i'm very curious to see how like what kind of system he'll deploy with his team and like how the team's going to respond to that as well like because yes he is going to do that like fire and brimstone kind of kind of coaching style as well but more so on the ice because um, Aikens, not to speak too poorly of him, not to speak ill of the dead, but uh, he, <laughs> he, um, he, he implemented a system that was really square peg round hole. So I'm very curious to see what Krohn is going to bring in that aspect. He's talked about doing a man-to-man -man in the defensive zone. He's really studying how teams like how hockey kind of progresses and how it evolves because now we're in a, an age where forechecking and transition is kind of at the forefront so i'm going to be very curious um to see uh, his w willingness to bend because i don't i don't 
like this this very unique roster with kind of forwards that are really good in transition your Zegris and Terry's and McTavish's and you know I, I'm you know so I'm just I'm just very excited to see yeah like what what kind of product we're going to get on the ice yeah Derek are you excited to, to interview Greg Cronin on a regular basis <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I talked to him a little bit at his uh, introductory press conference, and he kind of was just giving us the lowdown on um, kind of how his interview went about with Pat Verbeek and kind of what he's looking to bring to the Ducks. And uh, one of the interviews that um, I watched him do, uh, I, can't, I can't remember who it was with. I want to say maybe Nasty Knuckles podcast, but he made it a point that he wants to record every single practice that the Ducks have so that they can go back and even look at kind of what they're doing right and wrong in practice and make sure they kind of implement that into the actual game and making sure that they're practicing the way that they want to play. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, we can't really talk about it enough, honestly, just the, the difference that it will be. And I love that expression. Don't speak ill of the dead, but <laughs> there's a reason the dead part happened in the first place. And I mean, that was, that's the thing. I mean, and this is the, this is where we have to be cautious is that, Dallas Aiken said a lot of great things when he came in and especially he said a lot of great things compared to who he was replacing Randy Carlisle. Like that's almost why those things seem so great because he was replacing Randy Carlisle who had just flamed out with the ducks for the second time. And so now you have Greg Cronin who's saying things that sound great in comparison to someone else who just flamed out. And so we have to be very careful not to get too excited about, or at least we being like, people with that talk on podcasts or write articles or what have you because we don't want to mislead people but i do think to patrick's point though there is something uniquely uh interesting and exciting about the way cronin speaks because like you said there is this kind of emphasis on the very like nitty-gritty nuance of the game and it just if nothing else it just tells you where his mind is at you know whereas dallas akins was always talking about like motivational stuff like the emotional side of the game confidence like Greg Cronin seems to really have like his, his ear to the, whatever, I don't know the expression, the ear to the, the streets or whatever. Like he seems to know, he seems to be really into the, the weeds of the game as it is currently. And that to me is so important for where this team is because they've been under coached the last three years. So now they need to like, we need to catch up to, to where the rest of the league is. So it's going to be very interesting from that perspective. And I think that we can't really talk about enough. Uh, Derek, what's your what's your number three here? So mine is going to be kind of how the back of the blue line looks because we, okay. we, we kind of expect that those top four will be, or not even top four, top three will be Cam Fowler, Jamie Drysdale, and Radko Gudis. And then after that, it's kind of a hodgepodge, I guess, of mm-hmm. defenders. And it's I think it's a lot longer of a list than people really anticipate it being because you have guys like Jackson Lacombe and... Uh, Drew Hellison, who got games in at the end of last year. Then you have Ilya Lubushkin that Pat Verbeek brought in. Uh, was like a month ago, maybe, from the Buffalo Sabres. You got Scott Harrington on a player tryout. And then Erho Vakanainen, um, who is still alive, still on the Ducks. Uh, he, <laughs> he will be ready for, I think he'll be ready for training camp, his, his shoulder surgery. Um, or not shoulder surgery. It's, Hip. Hip surgery, that's right. Hip surgery was in March, and the recovery time for that was about five to six months. So he should be ready by October. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where he fits in in that. Um, and there's also all the, the, you know, the prospects that you guys talk about 
pretty much every day that people <laughs> know about. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out in training camp. Derek, do you think? Well, do, do you oh. think? Oh, sorry to jump in here, but do you do you think that we're going to see a lot of Olin Zellweger and Pavel Mintukov in the NHL this year? It's tough to say. I I don't really want to set like unrealistic expectations, you know. And I also you have you also, have to have a hot take. Those are the rules. <laughs> at the same time, you know, I don't want to I don't want to pour like cold water on anybody's yeah um like expectations either of wanting them to be in the NHL because that's exciting, you know, seeing um, your up and coming prospects and playing with guys like Zegris and Drysdale and Carlson and McTavish and Terry, um, but I think. I don't know if it's going to be both. I think maybe it'll be one or the other. I think it's going to be really tough to have both of those guys and some like, say, Lacombe in the lineup at the same time because that's just a lot of lefties, and I, I don't think they want um, somebody like Lacombe or Zellweger or Minchukov playing their offhand when they're still getting used to playing in the NHL. So I think if I had to guess, it'll be one or the other, or it could be none. Maybe they the Ducks feel that it's better to have both of them playing top four minutes in San Diego as opposed to playing like 15 minutes or 12 minutes a game in the NHL. Yeah, no, I, I would, I would bet on zero. I, I would bet on them, neither of them playing from in the NHL for most of the season Patrick, you're nodding your head. So do, do you agree or? Yeah. I mean, just Derek, I mean, you, you listed a whole bunch of defensemen and then left off like Colton white. Also Robert Hag. Like these guys, they're just and names. So, I mean, but yeah, but they're still on NHL contracts. So they're gonna have to go through waivers if they're going to be sent down. So it's just, it's just right now it's, there's stop gaps. I'm not calling them roadblocks per se, but there's stop gaps for those kind of players. And we've heard Verbeek kind of multiple times talk about how he wants these prospects to be 100% ready by the time they are in the NHL. So, you know, yeah, again, I want to be excited, but I mean, I can still be excited when, you know, watching them in San Diego. Um, but like they, they're, they're supremely talented, but they're not finished products. They're very raw, um, especially in their own zone. I know uh, Zellweger's plenty strong, but I think there's some fundamental things he needs to clean up. Uh, same thing with Minchukov. So um, they're going to have to, again, really blow the roof off to uh, and impress a lot of people to um, really fight their way onto the roster. And it's not the end of the world if they're not um, in the NHL this season. And, you know, but there's also a possibility that a lot of these guys aren't on the Ducks by the end of the season. A lot of expiring deals, Labushkin, Hag, White. So there are there will be openings as the, as the season goes on, injuries and whatnot. So we'll see. But right now, I think the game plan I think would be zero. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, again, like I, like kind of Derek was touching on, like, I don't want to throw cold water on it because it is exciting to think about what these guys can do right away, but they, they can be in a really great situation with the goals. Like they can be in a phenomenal situation down there. And, you know, both of them are coming straight out of junior hockey. Like junior hockey is, is as good as it's ever been, maybe better than it's ever been, but it's still a big jump from junior to the NHL if you're not one of these kind of creme de la creme type of prospects that are just going straight from their their draft year to the NHL. And so a little seasoning in the AHL is not going to stunt these guys, I don't think. I mean, we were just talking about Jamie Drysdale earlier, and I think 
not quite the same scenario because both Mintukov and uh, and Zellweger have had more time in, in in junior hockey. I'm actually not even sure if that's true for Mintukov, but they've had they've had time in junior hockey and they've excelled in junior hockey. They've kind of mastered junior hockey, so now it makes sense to you know take take that progression and you don't want to go too fast either. So I'm I'm betting on zero and if it if it ha- so happens that one of them makes it or both then I'll be excited but uh you know Ilya Labushkin, the Robert Hags of the world, Colton Whites of the world like that's probably going to populate the the kind of bottom of that that blue line which is not the end of the world. Like this season for the Ducks isn't about necessarily just having all prospects in the team. Like you want to you want to manage that as well as you can. So, uh, where do I go for number three? Hmm. I'll just combine my two. So my number one, we were actually talking about this in Discord earlier, but how Trevor Zegers will be used, because Trevor Zegers, we've been kind of talking about him in the beginning with the contract, and I'm I'm I don't know about you guys, but I'm very tired of the the way Trevor Zegers has been talked about, like like the way that now it's like. If you bring up Trevor Zegers, you have to start with, well, he's a divisive figure or, well, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he's he's flashy. Or even, you know, Eric Stevens, Scott bless him in his article, like basically said the exact same thing. Like, well, he's got to show he's more than just just flash. And I think there is some element of truth to that. Like Trevor Zegers, he grabs everyone's attention because of the crazy things he does with the puck. Like I was watching a video the other day of like best NHL assists, like just generic YouTube video <laughs> and seeing that Trevor Zegers play with Sonny Milano again, after not having thought about it for a while, it's just like the fact he did that in NHL game still just blows my mind because we've we haven't seen it before. And we, I don't know when we'll see it again, to be honest. So he does that stuff and that stuff grabs attention. There is stuff that he needs to clean up. Like we know we've seen it. He is not the, the most, sound defensively like he he will kind of just not pay attention or maybe not put in a full effort sometimes and he's a young player like he's not going to be perfect but I think that on the flip side of that he's he's a very good young center too like it's not just like he's this like I think he's almost underrated at this point like he's a fantastic playmaker he's great at transitioning the puck He's dangerous with his shot. He's able to, to blow by defenders using just basically his hands because he's not the fastest skater. And so how will, how will Greg Cronin, who, as we were talking about, is maybe a bit more of that, has that old-school element to him. It's not all of him, but there is that element to him. How will he approach Trevor Zegers? How does he view him? How does he utilize him? Because as we were discussing earlier today, Dallas Higgins was really afraid to just kind of let Trevor Zegers be a center, a guy who takes on that defensive responsibility, who's the low man in the defensive zone, who's kind of more heading the play. And he doesn't necessarily have to be that, but I think he has the capacity to be that. And I also think that that's maybe the best version of him is where he's just the most involved, where he has his hand in just about everything that's going on on the ice because of just how creative he is. So I am very fascinated about that because if Trevor Zegers, if Greg Cronin can unlock the, the three zone version of Trevor Zegers, that this kind of next step in his evolution, like I think the, the sky's the limit with this kind of skill that, that Trevor Zegers has. So I don't know, Patrick, do you, 
because you you've you've actually you've kind of you were the one that brought this to, to back into my mind like this whole notion that Trevor Zegers wasn't really used as a center last year I mean, he was playing as a center he was listed at center on all of the lineup <laughs> sheets but he had no center responsibilities for I would say like 80 percent of the of the play he was he had like Faceoffs are one thing. He didn't take many faceoffs, but he was always like higher in the zone um, as playing, like basically as a winger. And Henrique was the one down low, or Ryan Strom was the one down low, or often Frank Matrano, unfortunately, was the one down low. And um, but we've seen like the thing that one thing that uh, really irked me about Aikens was like if you need like these were development years these last couple, and if you need Trevor Zegers to round out his game have him play some defense like <laughs> let him take some d zone draws same like reverse with lundestrom like if you need him to round out his offensive game give him better players make him let him play in the offensive zone and not against not with the, the Connor mcdavid's or, but yeah right but back to like zegris i mean i think you're right there's there's potential for him to be a very unique and effective center especially in transition because he's so good when he is the low man on that rare occasion, he's so good at supporting the puck throughout the zone and breakouts and stuff. And he's really good at like underrated ability for him is just anticipation. Like yes. he knows when, when and how a puck is going to pop out of a battle or like how, like just getting to a loose puck and whatnot and how players react. So him being a center and supporting behind the puck as it's moving up the ice, I think they kind of can it can bring a new element to his game that we haven't seen before where maybe he's the one who's sending 80 foot cross ice passes behind the back like new stuff and yeah i think you're right and and he's a very good um f3 four checker again like again being able to process the uh, breakout and whatnot so maybe the best version of trevor zegers is as a true center but maybe also as this kind of hybrid because that's again where the nhl is heading this like if you're if you're ever F3, you're you're the center. If you're the lowest guy, the first guy back, you're effectively the center. This happened with, not to go off on a tangent, but this happened with um, Jack Hughes in the playoffs. Like he didn't play any center. <laughs> it was Eric Halla, like, but he was listed at center. So it's it's this just a new kind of philosophy. But if Trevor Zegers finds himself being able to round out his game, like you were saying, I think you know we're gonna we're gonna see something new and maybe potentially deadly and fun. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing to me is that, he, you know, when you have a player like Trevor Zegers, who's such a good playmaker, what that tells me is that they're really, they understand the moving pieces on the ice and they can anticipate the play. And you would think in theory that that, like you were saying, that anticipation, that understanding of the play could extend to everything else that's happening in the game. Because to be able to break down a, a defense, to be able to break down whatever you're seeing, you kind of have to understand what it is and where the weak points are. So, yeah, he, like, I just, I really hate this, the way that he's being discussed. And, like, I'm not his freaking agent. You know, I'm not, like, I don't own any Trevor Zegers memorabilia. This is not, like, a fan thing. It's just, it's just, as someone who watches him play, as you, as both of you do, it's just frustrating to, to kind of see this narrative take hold that's just kind of lazy. It's just, it's just not a complete picture of what we've seen from Trevor Zegers, so. Derek, do you, do you think we see a, a Trevor Zegers kind of breakout year with with Greg Cronin? Well, look, you know Trevor Zegers, he's a, he's a very divisive player, 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you yeah. were serious for a second. No, yeah. I mean, look, like Trevor, Z- like Zegers is not going to get any plaudits for his defensive work. You know, like when no. when you talk about Zegers, you're talking about a player who's really skilled offensively. He's a really good playmaker. He has really great vision. Um, and it, it is really important as a center in the NHL to be at least adequate in both ends of your zone, right? Because otherwise you're not going to be playing a lot if you can't help stop the team's top opposition once in a while or even just stop them from scoring in general. So that's definitely something he still needs to improve on. Obviously face-offs too, um, even though the impact of face-offs is a little nuanced. But um, obviously having him inside the face-off dot and not, not having to rely on Adam Henrique or Ryan Strom all the time or even Mason McTavish to take those face-offs. I think becoming a reliable face-off guy is a little important. And just becoming like an all-around better player. Like We've seen what he can do on offense, and if he can do that same kind of work in the defensive zone every once in a while, that just makes him a more complete player, and that kind of gives you brownie points with the coaching staff and your organization to show that, hey, I'm not just like a one-trick pony, I guess. But you know, can, a tr- trick shot, flippy puck guy. Yeah, like he, he can do more than just like a flip shot or the Michigan. Like he can, there's there's other facets to his game that people that are kind of casuals, I guess, they aren't yes. super familiar with. And so I think it's time to, for, to start pushing back on that narrative a little bit. Yeah, and that's the whole thing too with the highlights is that that's what most people who don't follow the Ducks see. That, that That's all, like, because why would... You know, why would NHL Instagram account post a, a clean Trevor Zegers like breakout play or something like like that's never going to happen. So if all you ever see is Michigan's or between the legs goals or, you know, flip puck, <laughs> flip puck plays like it's just that's going to be the impression. And so unfortunate. The one little last hinge I want to throw in before we get into questions, which now, sorry, guys, we're, we're running a little over here, but <laughs> hopefully, sorry. hopefully you guys won't bail on me. Um I'm just curious about the power play. I'm always a power play kind of dork. And so I want to see, because, you know, last year we talked about it so much, like the fact that everything kind of revolved around the Seagrass to McTavish play. And it worked. It really worked. I mean, Mason McTavish had some beautiful goals from that right faceoff dot. And Trevor Seagrass had some great assists from that left faceoff dot. But I think now they need to find like a change up. Because you've got your fastball, you've got this ability, you know you can go to that, but now you've got to have something else. And I just, I don't know where it's going to, I still don't know where that's going to come from. Like, Patrick, you may have some some thoughts on this. Like, where is the changeup or the slider? Like, can the Ducks have something else on the power play besides the one thing we've seen so far that works? Um, I just think they have so many guys who excel on the flanks that it's it's hard to like pick a guys pick guys to go in the middle but um like i was just watching carlson film again the other night and he's just he's so smart with the puck <laughs> like he just always makes the right play but i think so if terry mctavish these kind of guys can become true like net front guys not in the sense of like pushing guys out of the way and screening goalies but like make little subtle plays and in that bumper position and you know, be just be another option as like like these little one timers from the boards that Seagrass will kind of throw to the middle of the ice. You know, though that's just it just creates more options which will be make you less predictable, right? Yeah. So I, I just think developing um 
more reads, right? I think is this is the um, yeah. the way to go. Yeah, if they, that makes any sense. No, yeah, they, I think Troy Terry is kind of like that is the thing that they have yet to figure out where he fits into because you know last year they had him like almost on the goal line mm-hmm. and. Troy Terry is such a skilled player, but that doesn't necessarily seem to be his game. So that'll be interesting. Okay, right on our mark, so we should probably get into questions here. Uh, we're going to start getting into questions, and I'm already seeing some popping into our Discord, or sorry, to our Twitch and YouTube chat. So if you've got any still folks that are watching live, uh, feel free to throw them in. But we are going to get to our Discord questions first. That is a perk of being a, a member of the Discord, is we get to your questions first which is a good time to plug the Discord and our Patreon page. So if you want to support our show, uh, the best way to do that, and honestly the most beneficial to you, is to uh, join our Discord server. So go to patreon.com slash crash the pond. For a dollar a month, you get access to that, and you get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. You basically get all of the latest Ducks breaking news right away. You don't need Twitter on your phone if you have Discord with us, and you get just instant reaction, conversation, We've got channels with different topics as well, so it's not just limited to hockey. Um, but you can also pay $5 a month, and you also get access to two bonus podcasts. So go check that out. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into these questions. So let's see here. Uh, Jake asks, or no, this is from Terry Saved Us. Uh, Do you think Mac T gets into a fight this year, and if so, against what team? And his, his take is yes, against Arizona. Does, does anyone want to chime in here? Um, sure. Uh, yeah, I think he gets in a fight. Why not? Um, let's say, does that cement his captaincy? Yeah, he's fighting for his captaincy. So he needs to prove to the coach that he's willing to sacrifice and and really take one, take one for the team and be a team guy. He's going to fight. He's going to fight Brant Clark. Okay. I think they're going to, they're going to tussle in front of the net. Brant Clark needs to make the team and and show that, show that he needs to it's a mutually beneficial fight. It's exactly. Pre predetermined <laughs> fight. Hey, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah. Um, that's great. I love that. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, Jake is asking, "Am I being replaced?" I don't know. <laughs> Are you, Jake? Jake was no just. Can... In, J- Jake was popping in here beforehand, so I think I don't think we we can't do this show without Jake. It will it will implode because no one can wear cutoffs like Jake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, okay, <laughs> this this one comes from Goose. Uh, who are your top three least favorite Anaheim Ducks of all time? Uh, I'm not going to do three because that would that would take a little while here and already already over. But one player that I had a tough time watching at the end of his career was Kevin Bieksa. Like that mm-hmm. last season, it was just you could just tell like it was over. He just didn't have it anymore. And just even the reads, the, the decisions with the puck were just so off. So I had a tough time watching Kevin Bieksa. Nothing against him as a person. Great analyst now, but actually wouldn't wouldn't mind if he was the Ducks analyst. But tough watch. I don't know if either of you want to chime in there or not. You can duck this one if you want. No pun intended. Huh. Uh, Bieksa, but also Boschman fits that mold as well. Like his last year was kind of tough to watch. The one that the one that stuck out for me when I, I read this question was. Joe DePenta. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> yes. Just because uh, when I was like 16 and the Ducks were making their cup run, I was like, this guy sucks. Uh, he stinks. <laughs> um, like, 
he was just such a bad skater and couldn't make a breakout pass to save his life. I was like, if this guy can make the NHL, I totally can. So <laughs> just watching him on a nightly basis was frustrating to 16-year-old Patrick. I will also say that this is more actually, okay, I have I have two more. I'm sorry. I'm 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 getting to three. So I'm I'm fulfilling the call <laughs> of the question. Um Nick Delorier, Derek Grant. Because mm. not because of the players necessarily, although I think Derek Grant was just not a good NHL player, and lo and behold, he's no longer an NHL player. But just the narrative around those two, it was always like, oh, they're such important players to the team. You know, even Dallas Aikens would talk about it. And it's like, and the broadcast talking about it, it's like, are we watching the same player? These guys don't add anything to the actual outcome of the game unless we're talking about the outcome of the game for the other team. Just so anyway, that was always just frustrating to deal with. Uh, okay, top three wrestlers. This is from Jared. I don't have any because I don't care I don't about wrestling. I really hope neither of you have any. Okay, <laughs> great. We can move on. Awesome. This is the benefit of no Jake. Thank God. Um, this one comes from Plant Ranch. This is for D Rock slash Patrick. Top three movies and top three books. So you don't necessarily have to do three of each, but let's hear some. Let's hear some names. Uh, movies. I, Back to the Future. Okay. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. I have four Star Wars tattoos, and two of them are Empire and okay. Goodwill Hunting. Just what, I, what's your what's your favorite Empire Strikes Back scene? Uh, I just like the whole Hoth battle. Okay. Um, it's a good answer. Yeah. Derek, what's your movie slash book? Well, books I can't really say. I haven't. I'm not gonna lie. I haven't read a book in a hot minute, man. Like, I like probably, that. Honesty. Probably, Honesty is the best policy. Probably since like college, which was like five, six years ago now. Oh, that's it. But. Nice. <laughs> yeah, for for uh, for movies, I'll go uh, Shawshank Redemption. That's probably my favorite movie. Uh, Inception. And this isn't necessarily like a good movie. I just enjoy watching it. But now you see me. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Fun watch. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm not at all I'm I'm movie illiterate so, you know. But I have I like Star Wars so there you go. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Mighty for nothing asks who are some good duck sleepers for fantasy hockey this year. I am not a fantasy hockey guy so, I'm not really that well versed. But like someone that would be good that would not be drafted highly on the Ducks. I don't know. Like who are you? Who, if you're playing fantasy hockey, who are you drafting from this team outside of? The known names. <laughs> I, mean, I guess Lucas yeah. Lucas Dostal maybe could be one. Well, how how deep is this league? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't played yeah. fantasy hockey in in years, so I don't even know how it works anymore. To be honest, I mean, I'm sure it hasn't changed that much. It's probably still like who can farm the waiver wire the best, um, which is why I stopped playing. But anyway, <laughs> different story for a different day. Uh, let's see here. I want to skip this question, but I won't because I've, of my love and respect for our good friend, uh, co-champion Bastard. Question for D-Rock and Patrick. Do you think Jack Opaca prefers Taco Bell or Del Taco? Oh, man. You don't have to answer this. No, I make... actually looked this up. He's playing in Sweden this year, and there's <laughs> neither of them in Sweden. So he hates both of them and wanted to get as far away as possible. Oh, I like that answer. I like that yeah. answer. I'm wow. pretty sure he's playing uh, for Brinus. Yeah. yeah. He's playing with uh, Damian Clara, so that'll be oh, interesting. pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, that was a lot more insight than I was expecting from <laughs> this question. So my my hat comes off to both of you. Um, 
This is Skippy with peanut butter asking, do you see the Ducks making any more free agent signings, or do you guys think the Beaker leaves some spots for the young guys to earn a spot in the bottom six? Basically, do you guys think the Ducks do anything else at this point? Or are the pencils down? Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to say because they've kind of added a couple of guys on player tryouts. So I, that kind of gives me the impression that they are done. I know that you and Jake talked a little bit about Tomas Tatar a little bit when uh, yeah. free agency started, and he's still a free agent. <laughs> is is Tomas Tatar going to play in the NHL this season at this point? <laughs> like, what is know, going it's on? It's tough to say, but he, he and Pavel Reginda had been working out in Slovakia together during the summer. I mean, that maybe that doesn't really mean anything, like just fellow countrymen working out. But, I mean, maybe if they wanted to add someone like him on another player tryout or something right before training camp, but I think... yeah. The roster is kind of set at this point. Yeah, there's just not too many openings left. Like, I just don't see where the signing is going to... Maybe another forward, but that's that's Zach Cassian's music that's just playing in the background <laughs> oh. here now. So, <laughs> hey, I'm, anything. I'll, I'll, I'll die on this hill that, that Zach Cassian will, will be a duck. Um, okay, <laughs> uh, let's see. This one comes from D Frenzy asking... Let's see, with the latest news coming out about Zegers, so this is from a little while back. I think this was when we were starting to hear about the bridge contract. Uh, with the latest news about Zegers potentially getting a bridge deal, I'm really starting to sour on the, Patrick, on the Pat Verbeek regime. My first issue is not signing Milano. My second is not qualifying Contois, which I could see being Milano 2.0. My third issue was taking Leo Carlson. Man, he is just, Pat Verbeek is striking out here with <laughs> Vantilli right there. With this news coming out about Zegers, do you guys think do you guys still think PV is doing a good job? Out of 10, what would you rate him? Okay, wow. So D Frenzy is just hating Pat Verbeek, basically. Um, what do you guys rate Pat Verbeek out of 10? Gut check. Uh, this zero situation doesn't really affect I like his rating for me, but it's like a 7, I guess, out of 10. Just because you guys talk about it a lot that he doesn't make any huge like bad moves for like the future betterment of the team, like nothing super detrimental, but like his good moves have been the 2022 20, trade deadline and the Troy Terry contract's really good and everything else has been pretty hit and miss. Um, just a lot of work on the fringes that we kind of dismiss as being like, oh, it's just a third pair defenseman. It's just a PTO, but like that kind of stuff piles up and it's like, I'm not yeah. a huge fan of the, the waiver wire work that he's done and, so like a seven. Okay, seven still. I mean, it's still passing, passing score, passing grade. Yeah. D Derek, would you want to ascribe a, a score here? Yeah, I mean, I I think seven is fair. Maybe if I if I wanted to be super critical, I'd go at like six point five, just because yeah. he hasn't done anything like otherworldly besides getting the Troy Terry deal done, which is kind of a given because he either get it done or he goes to arbitration. Um, there hasn't been super anything like super rigorous, like Patrick said. I mean, you can kind of nitpick about like John Klingberg but they still got like a somewhat decent return for him and it's just a Nikita one Nesterenko, who, yep. who it feels like we just never talk about but is is in this picture yes. yeah and he's not a center contrary <laughs> to I believe yeah collective media if you're listening <laughs> it's, I don't know it's just something that bothers me it's like every single thing I read about him they talk about him being a center and he hasn't played center in like 
yeah four years or whatever derek is a is a true tried and true reporter where like the facts you got to get the facts (laughs) right otherwise like you are just you're in the doghouse um i guess to round out the scores here i'll go 6.5 because it's kind of like what you guys both said like nothing great but nothing awful either like i i'm i'm actually really high on the leo carlson pick but outside of that it just i'm still waiting to see the vision kind of come together and the indications we have of the vision are just not incredibly exciting, but he's not bad either. Uh, okay, let's move on here. This is from Tiki Lord. He asks, do you think he or she could be anyone? Uh, who do you think this is the Ducks? Who do you think is the Ducks long-term 3C option? Thunderstrom, Gaucher, or other? Also, <laughs> mayonnaise or Miracle Whip? So, I don't know. Lundestrom, Gaucher, or other? Who's who, who's your guys' pick for, for 3C? Uh, Gaucher, I guess, uh, just be like, I mean, if all, if McTavish, Carlson, Zegris all play center, then one of them is going to be three C, but let's assume that one of them switches to the wing at some point, the wing, um, I'll go Gaucher just because I feel like there's more offensive upside. And again, not Lundestrom's fault. He was just, that was the role he was pigeonholed in since he was 18. Yeah. But he has he hasn't really developed an offensive game because of it. So um we'll say Gaucher. Okay. So I think he was around a point per game in, in in juniors last year. Yeah, he'll he'll be another AHL staple, I think, this season. Mm-hmm. Uh Derek, who's the who's the long term three C? Yeah, I think if you you kinda look at it, like Patrick said, if McTavis, Egress, Carlson, one of them gets moved to the wing, I think it kinda makes sense to have Gaucher in there and then maybe Lundestrom, if he's still around, is kind of like that fourth-line center. But the, I think the difference between someone like Zegers or McTavish or even Carlson is that Gaucher is kind of relied on or has was relied on with Quebec as kind of that shutdown center role. Kind of, I, I remember when he got selected, it kind of reminded me of um, being that Ryan Kessler to Trevor Zegers, like the the counterpart to it. Not, like not to make a an asinine like comparison to that but yeah you're not uh, that, saying nathan gaucher is ryan kessler yeah that was kind of just what popped into my mind at first because he's definitely a different style of player than like zegers or even mctavish is and so having somebody like that to kind of anchor the third line in a way and make it more of a top nine than like a bottom six in a way yeah which has been the case for the ducks yeah i i almost feel bad for lindstrom at this point and i want to give him some love but I, off the top of my head, I do think that I don't really see the Ducks ever doing the all three young center, like McTavish, Zegers, Carlson down the middle. Cause I just, I just don't see it happening. Cause I just don't think NHL coaches think like that necessarily of having like your offensive guy on each line in the, in the first three lines. But I would have, I, th- I would go Nathan Gaucher. I mean, the way Lundestrom is tracking right now, it's just not great. This would have been a season where maybe he kind of flips that script, but we just are not going to see that until at least like halfway through the season. So, yeah. And then as far as also mayonnaise or Miracle Whip, I mean, it's, oh. it, it's mayonnaise. Like, don't eat Miracle Whip. I don't even know what Miracle Whip is <laughs> or what's in it. So it's mayonnaise. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, okay. Goose asks, who has a better career, Machukov or Zellweger? Um, uh, I'll go Machukov. Just... I don't know, just a gut feeling, yeah. maybe. Just, just pick a name. Just yeah. <laughs> um, 
I think Zellweger has the point more like higher offensive ceiling. So if that's your criteria, which yeah. it seems to be for Norris voters, then okay, maybe he there's you know, and well, in that better in career that regard, mean I'll anything. say yeah. exactly. So more points, but, Zellweger. <laughs> I think the the best player of the two, like who will be the best player? I am going to go Owen Zellweger just because I, I believe I believe in the OZ. Um, okay. Isaac, this is final question from Discord, so we will get over to Twitch and YouTube. So if you have any questions there, uh, throw them in. But Isaac asks, it's the 2024-25 season. Carlson, Zellweger, and Mantuka were all rookies. Do they all place top three in Calder voting? <laughs> and which do you see coming out on top? So I'm just going to say no because that just doesn't happen, uh, I don't think. But maybe it could because all those guys are going to come in and probably be great right away. So, I don't know. But I would say probably uh, Leo Carlson would, would win out that race. Um, I should also get to say we have a couple questions from Twitter, so I'm just going to try to speed run these. Uh, we had a question from Caitlin asking, a uh, question for the pod. We all know coaching had a lot to do with the Ducks' results last year, but do you think not having Getzlaff on the team impacted them and not having his leadership? Well, I think they missed Ryan Getzlaff in the sense that Ryan Getzlaff is a really good player and – you know, losing him hurts, but I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Maybe, but I mean, <laughs> what, what ship are you leading here? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, well, I think the leadership thing might be, I mean, we just don't know, but just Ryan Getzlaff was still playing well in his final season. Like Ryan Getzlaff was still a solid two way player. Wasn't putting up the offensive totals, but they missed that clearly. But I don't know if that would have really changed anything at the end of the day. Uh, Jacob also asks on Twitter, who's going to have to more, the more exciting on ice product this season, ducks or golds. That's a, that's a tough one. I'm going to go ducks though, just because they have Trevor Zegers and the goals don't. Yeah, exactly. That's my, that's my rationale. Okay. Uh, oh, this one's from late arrivals pod. Uh, who would win in a fight between a goose and a duck? I mean, it's a goose, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gooses are aggressive. Geese are bigger. Yeah. They're, they're big and they're nasty. Scary. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm going to get into these chat questions, and I'm going to try not to miss any, but I'm only going to read the ones that say question in the beginning because it's just easier to find that way. I'm sorry. Uh, P Blaster asks, how much how much does Jeff Solomon weigh with the players' new contracts? So I guess how much influence does he have? Um, I heard he's not a big fan of giving players uh, no trade clauses. I mean, from what we heard today from Elliot Freeman, he has a pretty big hand in negotiations, so... Yes, Jeff Solomon is matters a lot. He's the AGM. He was brought in to be the cap guy, so it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, he also asks on Mike Babcock: Was he or Ducks? Int- so were the Ducks interested in having him back? I mean, I don't think any of us would know. Uh, uh, I don't believe he was. He wasn't one of the candidates. Yeah, yeah. I think especially. I mean, this is now just my own pure conjecture, but given everything that how the Bob Murray situation ended, I think. I don't think the organization was probably interested in bringing another guy who could have been a PR, uh, let's just call it PR hot water. So let's see. Next question. Uh, this one is from Rooch asks, did Pat summarize Aiken's lackluster system the same way I summarized Randy Carlisle? So do you think Dallas Aikens was as bad as Randy Carlisle? This is from earlier when we were talking about Dallas Aiken's system, but I think they were both bad, but just in different ways. Yeah. Like, Dallas Higgins is clearly a great guy. Like, clearly, like, 
the, the players seemed to like him, at least from the outside, did good things in the community, but just didn't work. It seems like Randy Carlisle would really grind on guys, and that's kind of how he would overstay his welcome, but both uh, at the end just didn't really have the best system. That's what did them in. Uh, this one is from Matt saying, with all the young defensemen in the Ducks system, it seems inevitable that one or more of them are eventually dealt. Who is the first to go, and why is it Zellweger? Because he's under six feet. So <sighs> do you guys see this as a problem? Or not a problem, but do you guys see this as a possibility that you are going to get to a point where like someone's got to go because there's just too many too many players and not enough chairs, not enough spots. Maybe, but I mean, maybe someone just doesn't work, doesn't pan out. You just have yeah. that next guy. You know what I mean? We won't know. Like that's a really good problem to have. And we just won't know if that's a problem uh, for another few years. And then like, even then, if you have, if you're forced to trade someone, then you're going to get probably a pretty good haul or they're going to be part of a package for a really good player. Um, as far as who's on their way out, I, I don't want to speculate. I don't know. Um, yeah. Lacobe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's just going to be one of those situations where, you know, we can't assume that everyone's going to be great. Like that everyone's going to pan out. Like this is kind of why you don't draft for need. You just keep drafting the best player. And if it happens to be at the same position, oh, well, because not everyone is going to be, pan, not everyone's going to pan out. Or maybe some guys don't sign with your team. Like we just saw with Henry Thrun this season. So it's not the worst problem in the world to have. Uh, let's see. Next question. Uh, <laughs> this one is from Appa AG, who is a good friend in our Discord. Who is your starting five from the Discord for a hockey pickup game? So I don't know how many people on our Discord even play yeah. hockey. But Patrick, I know you play in like division, like the gold or bronze, or I don't know what, like a high division in the in the uh, beer leagues around Orange County. So well, you're I, the first guy. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm honored. Yeah. I get to uh, what this guy do in the you picture. play? Uh, right now I'm playing Bronze A at Anaheim Ice just because okay. I couldn't get into any other league. And okay. it is what it is. But, you know, I'm having fun. What's the highest you've, you've played in? We want to know that. Oh, in, uh, in beer the Elite League at El Segundo. Like, oh, well, there, there were, you go. There are NHL players that, you know. <laughs> okay, well. Congratulations, you, you've Thank been drafted you. to, to my team. Um, I honestly, I know Bob, our good friend Bobski plays hockey. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. Jake plays, I played on the same team as Jake, so I'll draft him too. But after that, I'm, I'm a, a bit at a loss here. Who wants to play goalie? I'm not playing goalie, I'm retired. <laughs> so Jake Robles else. could play goalie. Oh, that's right, yeah, Jake is in our, Jake is in our Discord. He pops in every now and again. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next question. <laughs> Starting five for... Same question, but for pickup basketball, I would need to see the height of everyone before answering that question. Just, you know, give me, give me the seven footer. If there's any, uh, hypothetical question from Rooch, assuming that Zegers, Carlson, McTavish, Lindstrom, and Gauthier hit a centers in the HL who moves to the wing. I think we've all kind of answered this in different ways, but probably Zegers. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the consensus. Maybe McTavish, but I think the one guy you are not moving is Leo Carlson. How about that? Correct. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Matt is asking, earlier Patrick said that Cronin mentioned possibly implementing a man-on-man system. The Ducks seem like, at best, an average skating team. Could this influence potential systems? So what do you say to that? Um, watching, I watched a little bit of his games, in, uh, his Eagles games in the AHL, and his man-to-man is a lot more passive. So if you're not like, 
the Carolina Hurricanes run a system where, you know, man to man, where you're on your guy's hip no matter how far away he is from the puck. And Cronin's was a little more like if the puck is in the opposite corner, you can be like four or five stick lengths away from your guy as long as you're monitoring him. That way you can jump on loose pucks quicker and hopefully, you know, help out if needed and whatnot. Okay. If that made any sense. I'm sorry. So so do you think so do you think that the ducks skating will affect their systems? Like do you yes. do you think that they're an average skating team or a better than average skating team? Um, <laughs> I would say they're about say average. There's, yeah, there's really good skaters. There's Kemp Fowler and Jamie Drysdale and Troy Terry, and then there's below like, oh my god. Robert Hag is really not a bad not a good skater. Labushin's really <laughs> not a good skater. Like so yeah. there's they're balanced and average. <laughs> Yeah, Radko Gudis is not a great skater either. Although he just kind of seems to make it work. It's very interesting watching him. I also, to be fair, the last time I watched him was in the playoffs, which he probably was not 100%. That is something mm. to keep in mind for all these guys, but not necessarily the most mobile player either. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find other questions here. Question for Patrick from Rooch. What is your favorite Sith, and why is it Darth Revan? Revan? I don't know. I don't know if this is a Sadiq. Darth Revan. He's is from. This a, uh, is this a deep? Yeah, he's from Knights of, the, Knights of the Old Republic video game. Um, favorite oh, Sith. I, I played that video game. Damn. Okay. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. Uh, favorite Sith. Favorite Sith. Uh, Darth Bane. He created Darth the Bane. rule too. Yeah. Ooh, that is a good one. Okay. I'm my my child brain will always go back to Darth Maul just because he looked cool. Oh. Yeah. But George Lucas killed him off for no apparent reason. It's and brought him back. Yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> oh well, yeah, but that doesn't count. Like, I wanted him alive on the big screen. I don't, I don't care about everything else. So anyway, uh, let's see here. Any other questions? Ideal nacho toppings. <laughs> I don't nice. eat nachos. I'm yeah, not a big nacho a fan. Big nacho guy either. Wow. Oh. All right, fine. Uh, <laughs> cheese, cheese asada, uh, pico, guac. That sounds pretty okay. good. Yeah, yeah. That's not, that's. Not, I mean, I'd I'd eat those nachos. There you go. <laughs> uh, question: Does Henrik andor Silverberg return next year from Vixler? So next year, meaning the year after the one that's coming up here. I don't think either of them do. I uh, think it's been. Hasn't it been reported that Silverberg's on his way to the is, SHL after this season? Is Silverberg <laughs> even playing hockey after this year? Like anywhere. Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, he had that blood clot issue that kind of popped up again at the world. Um, I think the plan was like he does want to go back to Sweden at some point, and he probably might after the season when his contract is up, and go back and play for Brynäs. Uh, Henrik, I feel like it's tough to say. It just depends on how the team does, maybe. Because if they're yeah. if they're making a run for the playoffs, you probably don't want to trade somebody like that. But if you're kind of in the basement again, that's maybe somebody you want to get something for at the deadline instead of just letting him walk for free. Yeah. Yeah, the Ducks are in a very interesting position now where it's like they're a little bit further along in the rebuild where you can maybe talk yourself into saying, well, if we're if we're anywhere close, do we like is a second round or third round pick really going to make that big of a difference for us now? You know, maybe we're just better off hanging on. Like it'll be interesting, but I would I would guess that both are gone uh the season after this one because with Silverberg it just seems like his health it might just be better for him not to play. And then with Henrique, it just seems like he'll be traded and then signed somewhere else. Cause I don't see the Ducks signing his next contract. Uh, let's see. After that, I don't think, 
I don't think we have any other questions unless I missed something. Um, no, let's see. Chestnut versus Phil the Thrill. Who wins in a glizzy contest? I don't know. <laughs> Is that referring to the hot dog eating contest that they yes. do on Fourth of Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> do you guys have thoughts on this? Because I sure as hell don't. Joey Chestnut wins. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how you're gonna. <laughs> He's the goat. <laughs> I, can't, I can't bet against Joey. <laughs> wow, Joey you guys, <laughs> you guys did really good with that. I, I had no idea what was even going on there. Um, okay. Great. Well then on that note, I guess we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here, but I just want to give a huge shout out to both of you for, for coming on here. It's always, it's always tough when, when Jake is gone or, you know, when, when someone's missing from our show because we have to find a way and you guys came on delivered some great thoughts. And it's just nice having people that follow the ducks come in because I was, I think I was telling you guys before, but sometimes we try to get guests on, but especially if like one of Jake and I aren't here, especially if Ducks news could break. It's kind of nice to have people who are actually within kind of the world of the Ducks and following the team closely. It just makes for a better conversation. I'm, I'm a little bummed we didn't have a Trevor Zegers signing to talk about. Yeah. That was also part of my thought process. Like, I need to hedge if, like, news breaks. Like, any people who actually will know what's going on or have a reaction to it. But So, yeah, but this was a lot of fun. Um, so if you guys want to check out Derek. Derek, I'm losing track of your Twitter handle. So you're going to have to tell us here. Yeah. So, okay. It, well, go, go ahead. <laughs> it was before I had it as something different, but, um, the way that the Twitter font now it's capital I's don't look like lowercase L's anymore. So I, <laughs> I changed it to Derek underscore Lee 27. I think that's probably just what I'm going to keep it as for okay. the rest of the time. That, that's a, that's a good handle. I mean, hopefully I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. Hopefully Twitter goes back to Twitter as well. So <laughs> hopefully there is a rest of time for Twitter. Uh, and Patrick, how can people, check you out i know you've got late arrivals going on as well yeah ch tune into late arrivals um i'm on there time from time to time my writing is on inside the rink and you can follow me at new era ducks i just want to say thanks for having me on this was a pleasure i've been a yeah. long time first time caller long time <laughs> listener um yeah but I, I i'm really enjoying the like community you guys have built i love discord it's it's just a nice place <laughs> it's been nice to just talk ducks hockey with people just because i'm from north la county and i'm just surrounded by king's fans so oh i did not know it's that. nice to yeah well I, I moved recently to orange county but you know okay. um but yeah just just thanks a lot for the community you built yeah well hey thank you i mean you everyone that joins is like a building block like every, like that's that's what makes it it's not like we haven't we haven't really done much besides like tell people to, to come on down. So thank you guys again. Really enjoyed this and we'll do this again. I think that we, this will not be the last time because, you know, as much as I'm sure people love to hear from Jake and I every single week, some new voices, uh, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to mix things up. Uh, but on that note, if people want to help support the show and keep things going, uh, there's some very easy ways to do that. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but check out our Patreon. Uh, like Patrick was saying, uh, Great, great plug for us, by the way, Patrick. I appreciate no, that. No problem. Some, some, uh, <laughs> some free advertising there. But uh, yeah, check out the, the Discord community. I think it's it's awesome, especially if you are someone, and there are a lot of people in our Discord who don't live like in Orange County or they're not surrounded by Ducks fans. And so it just kind of gives you a place to connect with other people and, and just talk Ducks. Basically, there will always be a Ducks debate going on. Like you just, you just have to check your phone any given time of day and there will be something going on much much to Derek's chagrin at times of like 
can the can the off season just be over already? <laughs> I, I yeah. I'm loving that. I'm almost loving that as almost like a bit now of Derek's just disdain for the the off season. It, it's great. Dude, it feels like it's been like four years, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the Ducks have been out of it since what May? No, early in that April. April, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been five, like like five months. I mean, we're not that far away from like six months, basically, which is like it's it's a while. Uh, so hopefully the Ducks will give us something to talk about beyond then. But uh, yeah, check out the Discord community. Uh, and then that's a dollar a month for $5 a month, uh, two bonus podcasts. And I was teasing on the last show, but we're going to we're gonna get to this on the next one that we do, or that we do this month at least. Uh, Jake and I are going to do a draft of the teams that we think will do the best. And there will be a bet. There will be something on the line. The person that loses will, will have to do something embarrassing. I don't know quite yet what that will be, but we'll figure something out. Uh, so that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Uh, you can also find us on Apple podcasts. Just leave a rating and a review. Uh, if you leave us a review, we'll read it on the show. We love hearing from you guys. And those Apple podcast reviews uh, really help us out too. leave us a rating on Spotify. If you listen to us there, you can also leave feedback on Spotify. I just learned this. So if there's something about the show that's sticking out audio issue, video issue, whatever it is, like, let us know because that Sometimes we just miss stuff, and so that helps. Um, you can also find us on YouTube. Subscribe to us there, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Some good things coming there this season. And uh, just to reiterate, you know, check out Patrick, check out Derek, uh, follow the Sporting Tribune because there's going to be a lot of great content, Ducks content. This will be a good season for Ducks coverage. I will predict that. That is my wild speculation. This will be a good season <laughs> for Ducks coverage. Um, and so make sure to check everybody out here. You can also follow me on Twitter. And on that note, uh, that will do it for the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to our guests. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, y'all.